Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your community, to be here and listen to your word, to be discover more about you and your glory and your grace and your love for us. Lord, as we listen to your word and reflect on your scriptures and think about our lives and the people in our lives, open up our hearts and minds more to you, more to your way of life and how you are dealing and relating to us. Gracious Father, we also thank you for those who have shared Jesus with us previously. We thank you for the blessings that that has brought us. Help us to continue to grow as your disciples, to have open ears, open minds and open hearts. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. From 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 to 18 we heard, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, that is the Israelites' hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, know, we, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Today we're focusing on Jesus revealing God's glory. And if you want to have a, a challenge in the future, anyone, and I've heard devotions on this, that God's glory is hidden, right? And yet we come across a passage like this which says, God's glory has been revealed. God's glory has been revealed through, Je- through Jesus and revealed, therefore, to those, to those who listen to him. The problem is, is that we often look at glory from a worldly perspective. We often bring our worldly views of what glory is. Whether it be reaching the top of a mountain and getting being first up there with a flag. Whether it be winning a grand final in any sport that we've been in. Whether it be seeing things as perfect or having the most expensive car in the world. Or perhaps the best-looking, grandest mansion. Or being the best of the best, the number one in class, we often see that as glory and associate that as glory. Or having a very spectacular cake. One of the problems with us in having that, and then glory does come partly in that way, but one of the problems in us having a worldly view of glory and bringing that into our Christian life and having that as part of our focus of Christianity and God is that we soon get disappointed. We come to church and things are not right. People are not perfect. They're not doing what we would expect a glorified Christian would do. Things happen in our lives and we get disappointed and we say, God, what's going on? You know, I'm following you. You know, why aren't you making my life more glorified? And that can lead down a path which is not actually healthy, which is about, I mustn't be doing enough. And so our problem is we often bring this worldly glory. And Paul talks about this. Um, He warns about this when he's talking to the early church. He says that often you are focused on the glory of man and you want glory from man rather than God. But Transfiguration Sunday and some readings around it and text today from Corinthians reminds us 
that the reality is to recognise and understand God's glory, we must look at Jesus. We must gain God's definition of glory from Jesus. John chapter 2 verse 11 says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. God's glory has a purpose of leading people to belief. And then in John chapter 5 verse 44 it says, How can you believe since you accept glory from one another but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? And this speaks to how some people struggle with Christianity. They, they come along to church and they're expecting things to go well. And often new Christians are, are more real than other people who have been disenfranchised by the church. Often, more, often Christians are going, yep, the world is not right. I don't expect the church to be right. But what sometimes happens is with new Christians as well is they have this nice, comfortable, peaceful life, but then somebody or something happens and they go back to thinking of worldly glory rather than God's glory. And so there's this encouragement for us throughout the New Testament to continually look at Jesus, to understand and to see what God's glory is really about. You see, with Jesus, what happens, we have spectacular things happening. We have signs and miracles. And many people within the Christian church, or I'd say at least some within the Christian church, would love that to be part of every week, part of life. But as you open up the scriptures, as you read through the scriptures, you see that Jesus is more than just signs and miracles. You see, you see in the end of John, he says he, he did many signs and miracles, but he only revealed some of them to help people in belief. And yet if we look more closely at Jesus, what we also see, what we also see is that Jesus, we see some ordinary and everyday things occurring. We see Jesus eating. We see Jesus mixing with people. We see Jesus taking time just to be. And with Jesus, we also see suffering and difficult times. And the New Testament encourages us to see God's glory through those sufferings and difficulties. It encourages us to see that God is at work through those sufferings and troubles and difficulties. And with Jesus, we see the glory of God revealed through a servant's life. Not through somebody who's in charge and dominating others. Not through somebody who, who, is, um, who was a part of the oppressed and now becomes the oppressor. But we see Jesus showing that God's glory is truly revealed through a servant life. And importantly for us, and in very importantly for us, with Jesus, we see him using his glory to secure life for us and others. There's a hymn that we'll sing at um, Good Friday and it talks about the glory of the cross. The glory of the cross. The glory of suffering. And you can see that, you start to see that in Jesus we have this different perspective of what glory is about. It's not always being on the high. It's not always being number one. It's not always being in control. 
And it's not always doing stuff so you can be noticed. But rather, it's a glory that helps others. It's a glory that shows care for others. And it's a glory that is prepared to bring, live through suffering so others can benefit. And the other part of this, and we see this happen to Moses with God the Father, and we see this happens um, in Corinthians, Paul's writing the church in Corinth, is that when we spend time with Jesus, he has an effect on us. He has an effect on us so much so that he, people get, then get to see Jesus through us. From verse 18 again we hear, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God is constantly at work transforming us into his likeness, into his glory. And you might look around and think, well, I don't know anyone who's perfect. Maybe you do know somebody who's been that ideal representation of Christ. But I'm sure if you ask them, they'd probably say, you've got to be joking. I'm not that good. I've got flaws and I don't feel good enough. You see, the way God works in us, he changes our spirit, he changes our life. Some time ago I was talking to a couple and the wife said, the best thing that happened in their marriage was when they started to attend a church and their husband started to take seriously Christianity. And I said, how did that change your marriage? She said, oh, don't get me wrong, it wasn't dreadful beforehand. It was just a very selfish lifestyle. It was very much focused on me or us and what we had to do. And because of that selfishness, we often had anger towards others. But as because of a number of circumstances, they connected to a church and they got to relate to Jesus regularly. It had a huge impact on who they were, how they saw life. And she said one of the things that happened, her husband became more gracious, sometimes even infuriating gracious. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, oh, somebody do something wrong. And instead of him going, well, he needs to pay for that or... That, that person's done wrong and he should go to jail or this should happen. He'd say, I wonder why he's done that. I wonder what's happened in his life. He needs some grace and love, just like God has given that to us. And that's how God starts to change us into his likeness. As Second Thessalonians reminds us, He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So think about this. Think about your life today. Think about this opportunity that exists in your life. You might think yourself you're just some humble person, some person that um, can't do much for God. Well, can I encourage you to continue relating to Jesus. Continue allowing Jesus to talk to you through his words and his actions, how he approaches life, how he sees people. Continue allow God's mission of saving all people 
to talk to us. See, one of my struggles as a pastor and a leader in the church is the world's position on many things is the solution to our problems is to get rid of our troublemakers, to get rid of the people who are not doing the right thing. And yet the challenge from Jesus to me, the the thing to Jesus is to then ask, show grace to such people. How do we work? How do we live with such people? How do we show grace to such people? And so living the faith, can I encourage you to think about these points? First of all, live knowing worldly glory and true, true godly glory differ. Worldly glory is often about somebody achieving something spectacular, getting recognition for themselves, having the best in life, being perfect. Or true godly glory is about serving others, is about bringing life to others, is about helping others. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through the empty tomb. And then keep looking to Jesus for true godly glory. If you don't have a habit of daily devotions, and you don't have to read huge pieces of scripture, but just read even some verses of scripture. Just grab hold of one of the gospels. If you're interested in starting reading a gospel, grab hold of the gospel of Luke, which is the gospel for this church here. And just take time to, to watch what Jesus does. Listen to what Jesus does. How he relates, how he reacts. I did this uh, quite a number of years ago. I actually read through the Gospel of Luke on the encouragement of somebody else. And I always had this perception that Jesus was for all the, the um, down and outs and that's all he wanted to relate to. And that anyone who thought themselves high and mighty, he had no time for. That was my worldly perception. Well, as I read through the Gospel of Luke, one of the things I noticed is he regularly would sit down and eat with the Pharisees, the people who were giving him grief. And he wasn't doing it to stir them up, but he would sit with them and try to teach them, teach them God's true way of life. So I can encourage you to keep reading um, and looking at God's true glory through Jesus. And thirdly, expect God's glory in all situations. Yes, there will be spectacular things that happen. Now, one of the things that I love going to is good conferences, good Christian conferences. They usually lift my spirit, give me ideas and help me to be refreshed. But I also come back recognising that they are helpful for the everyday ministry, the everyday life that we have. And that we, at times, I've also seen God's glory, I'd say, God at work in the simple and even the unusual and even the unexpected people. Now, one of those was many years ago, I was, went to a funeral. And it was just, a, it was kind of one of those obligated funerals. Um, my boss had died of cancer. Yep, we'll go along. So I went to this funeral and three things happened. One, the, the sermon was about lo- resurrected life and that was just quite inspiring but the other part was just talking to a couple of people who were there who shared their faith at that funeral not in a deliberate way but just as they talked and related to things that were happening and fourthly live being transformed by Jesus's image and this sometimes can require humility 
they sometimes can require recognition that, oh, what I thought was right is no longer right. Allow Jesus to affect who you are. Affect how you see life. And the fifth point, then live to reveal God's glory to others. Live in such ways that as you relate to others, that people get to see Jesus through you. To share his grace through your words and actions. But most importantly, do it in a way that points to Jesus and not to yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. May you know that Jesus come for the glory of his Father and part of Jesus coming for the glory of his Father was so you can have life. When you look at the cross, when you see the cross of Christ, recognise that's how God has shown his true glory to us. A love that has said, I want to forgive you and I want you in heaven despite what you've done on this earth. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of glory, but a glory that is humble, a glory that is servant-focused, a glory that shows grace and love, and a glory that is about giving life to others. Heavenly Father, as I live as we live on this earth, pour down your Holy Spirit on us. Help us to reveal who you are to the people we mix with, the people we relate to, the people we live with. And Lord, may your grace and love be our mission on this earth. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.